What's going on everyone and welcome back to another episode of Chargers Lately. As always, I am your host, Michael Peterson, and today we're going to be doing our recap of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, that whole mess, um, as well as going over kind of the repercussions of that game, which happened to be a big injury to RB1 Austin Eckler, which quite frankly is just awful. And when... (laughs) When things are starting to hit the fan, man, like, wow. When it rains, it pours. You know, the hits just keep coming. And uh, I think this is something where we may have to just be okay. And I don't know how how okay we can ever be with half our team being unavailable by the time uh, the first four games of the season goes by, which is, man, which is absolutely unheard of. And how there isn't an ESPN 30 for 30 film about the Chargers injuries through the 2010s, or at least the late, the second half of the 2010s, is beyond me. Because I'd watch that. I'd be in incredible pain while watching it, but I'd still probably watch it. It's just absolutely insane with, you know, again, it's a quarter of the season by, and uh, there's only half of the starters, original projected starters still alive and well. We may get a few of them back this week. They're not all on IR. Um, we'll, we'll get a couple more back after this game against the Saints, but and that's when the you know the schedule lightens up and hopefully there's you know some form of a push. But all right, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, I don't want to start rambling in without, I don't know, without a second thought. So uh, guys, the Chargers lost 31-38 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I don't know, I, I, that's such a stupid thing. Like, I hate when those games happen because we've seen these games before, right, over and over and over again where they're up by a lot, they blow a lead, and afterwards you're like, man, I don't know how they lost. But it's like you just saw them do it, and then you remember you've seen them do it quite a few more times prior, but you just keep letting yourselves fall back into this trap. And and I, I, I'm doing my, my best to, to be positive and look on the brighter side, finding the silver linings and all that stuff. But you can only do that so often, right? Like, really, you can until your mental state goes Ari. They had a 17-point lead um, before the half, just making sure I'm not speaking out of my ass here. Uh, they were up 24-7 with a minute and a half left in the first half. And then obviously what transpired was the botched handoff between Justin Herbert and Joshua Kelly, which was only compounded by Dan Feeney and the offensive line getting uh, the tail whipped, which led to Ndamukong Sue literally hitting Kelly within a fraction of a second after he finished receiving said handoff from Justin Herbert to where like the ball wasn't loose. And I want to stress this to you guys, like the ball wasn't coming out. It wasn't loose. Like if, if they had proper blocking I fully believe this. From the get-go of that play, I believe Kelly would have been able to snag the football and make sure that he had it secured prior to, like, you know, the play really beginning. But the fact that he couldn't even get an arm readjusted to cover the football before Sue was in his face eating his lunch, that's just an indictment of the offensive line. But again, it's a routine play. It should never happen. You know, it should have been perfect from the start. Like, I understand that. Don't get me wrong, I completely understand it. It was a complete botch by the team. It was an all-around effort uh, for that frustrating event to happen. But you know the rest. 
Uh, you know, a few plays later, they hit Mike Evans for a six-yard touchdown pass. All of a sudden, it's 24-14. to Still have a 10-point lead at halftime, but you would have been hard-pressed to find anybody who was confident at that point, right? Like a 10-point lead, if that fumble didn't happen, and let's just say they, they fought hard and they, they naturally went into halftime with a 10-point lead, you probably would have felt better than the 10-point lead that they actually gave us, right? And then they come out, uh, the Chargers get the ball to start the second half, which, my goodness, could you have imagined if they sustained that that 17-point lead and then went down and scored again to make it a 24-point lead? How insane would that have been, right? Golly, that would have been absolutely insane. I think that maybe would have put the, the, the game away, but again, this team is what it is, and, and you just never know. Like, no lead is safe until the clock ticks zero. That's kind of the, the mentality that I've had to take uh, and cling to with this team. And it's, I get my wife all the time saying, you you have the lead, like, you're fine, relax. And I've never relaxed for a lead. I don't think I have ever been comfortable with a lead, I don't, and I don't know how long, years years. I can't tell you the last time I felt comfortable with a lead. Doesn't matter who we're playing, what's going on, never. The Chargers ended up going three and out to start the second half. Then we just got torched. The Chargers defense ended up getting torched. A 28-yard pass from Tom Brady to OJ Howard over the top of Kaiser White. Closed the gap to three points. 24-21 Chargers with uh, about the middle of the third quarter. On that play, they ran a four verts concept with Cameron Brait and O.J. Howard to the right side. O.J. Howard ran up the seam. Cameron Brait went up the right sideline. From the film that I've seen, it looks like they're in cover two man. So everyone at the second level and your outside corners, they're all in man coverage. But you have Nasir Adderley and uh, Rayshon Jenkins back deep to take whatever the deepest route is. And at that point, you're stressing each safety because if it's four verts right, then you've got each, each one's got a man on them. But the safeties then have to choose which one is going to be more dangerous to then help with. And Casey Hayward was on Cameron Braid on the outside. It was OJ Howard against Kaiser White, who's been picked on the last two or three weeks in coverage. And for whatever reason, Rayshon Jenkins scrapes over the top of Howard, but continues to go towards the sideline looking like he's trying to help over the top with Cameron Brait. But OJ Howard is a much more superior athlete to Kaiser White. And White's no slouch of an athlete, but Howard put together a hell of a performance at the NFL Combine. The guy can run. And he just outran Kaiser White for an easy pitch and catch 28-yard touchdown from Brady. So all of a sudden, it's 24-21. The Chargers, let me remind myself of this before I, I go nuts here. Um, there was a missed field goal by Michael Badgley. So they get the ball back, have a three-point lead. They go all the way down the field, get stopped um, at the Tampa Bay 36. Now, actually, they were at the 22. I totally spaced on this as well. They were at the 22. And Justin Herbert hits Keenan Allen for nine yards for a first down. It would have been uh, first and 10 at Tampa Bay's 13. But uh, there was this absolutely ticky-tack chop block where uh, Levante David blitzed in the A or B gap. And Justin Jackson went low to cut block him. Great cut block, right? It was perfect, whatever. But Forrest Lamp came off a double team. 
and saw David kind of going in his peripheral and was like, oh, hell, I have to go get him. But he didn't realize Jackson was there to get him. So he comes off, and right as Justin Jackson makes contact with Devante, uh, Levante David's lower body, Force Lamp kind of puts his hands on him. And he's not a, it wasn't a hit. It wasn't like an actual attempt at a block. He just kind of did it and realized at the last second that, no, oh, I don't need to do this. But his hands touched David. And so basically, because then that was contact on the lower body while also on top with two different you know uh, blockers against David, they're gonna call that chop block. It was very ticky tack, but if you know it was quite a bang bang play, and so the refs are gonna call that. I, I'm not pissed that the refs did it because I, I believe they should have. It's still you know maybe I would like them to exercise a little more caution. I don't know, but it, it screwed the pooch there. They were backed up all the way to the Tampa Bay 37, second and 22 couldn't do much about it they gained i believe eight yards the next two plays and from the tampa bay 29 badgley uh, misses a 47 yard field goal wide left so what could have been 27 21 stayed at 24 21 when the buccaneers get the ball back and this is what good teams do it's called sudden change when there's a turnover on downs an actual turnover like an interception or a forced fumble whatever it's called sudden change, and the sudden change offense is you want to go for the deep ball. You want to shock them, right, with, with a deep shot um, following a morale-depleting play like a turnover. It took Tampa Bay two plays to go, what was it, 63 yards. Both passes to Scotty Miller. First play after the turnover on downs, he hit Scotty Miller up the left right sideline Excuse me for 44 yards. Just got the best of Casey Hayward. Scotty Miller's a fast guy, if you guys didn't know. So I'm not surprised he beat Hayward like that. Because Hayward's not a fast cornerback. Second play, hit Scotty Miller again, 19-yard touchdown pass. So just like that, it's 28-24. Could be 28-27, but there was the missed field goal. So uh, the Chargers actually respond. This was fantastic. Only took them three plays to go 75 yards, 52 seconds total. Three plays um, after a short pass to Keenan Allen for three yards, an incomplete pass to Keenan Allen again on second and seven. Jalen Guyton beats his man vertical on a cover zero blitz. So it's man across the board. There is no deep safety. Jalen Guyton gets a step on him. Herbert, with pressure in his face, retreats, kind of does one of those Patrick Mahomes step back to buy himself fractions of a second right to get off a deep pass. And he lets it loose, hits Guyton in stride, the guy stumbles behind him, the defender on Guyton, and he pretty much just jogs into the end zone. So all of a sudden it's 31-28. Chargers are back up. Things are looking great. Well, the Bucks had a, you know something else in mind. Seven plays, 75 yards, took off four minutes of the clock, went down, hit Keyshawn Vaughn for a nine-yard touchdown where he caught it short of the end zone. I think he bowled over Mike Davis for the touchdown. Just... They've been getting beat by the running backs in the passing game, but they've been getting lucky because the running backs were dropping those passes. This was not one of those situations. Rojo had a bad day catching the ball. Same thing with Sean McCoy. Vaughn made the Chargers pay. So all of a sudden, it's 35-31. Chargers in the next drive, three and out. Herbert sacked for three yards. Scrambles back for four yards. So it's third and nine. And he hits Josh Kelly for eight yards and... Kelly went airborne right to try to get this first down. And 
just barely did it. He was a yard short, right? If it wasn't Levante David coming over to stop Kelly, he may have gotten this first down. But David's an all-pro player. He knew how to handle Kelly flying through the air, so he stopped him short. This was the play that the world thought Anthony Lynn should have gone for. It's a fourth and one at their 34. This is the moment that he preaches for, right? After the uh, first game against the Bengals where he said he'd be damned if they don't go or they don't get another short yardage fourth down the rest of the season, right? And so far they've been much better at it. They've gotten these short first downs. Uh, there was a fourth and one, fourth and inches that they uh, converted earlier this game. I still don't understand why they don't do a, a quarterback sneak. I'm just going to throw this in there. Tom Brady is the king of quarterback sneaks. I don't know if he's had the best, the most elite offensive line, but somehow they're able to churn out those yards when they need it, like on command. Do you know how, how valuable of a tool that is for an offense to continue drives to not fear third and ones, fourth and ones, because they just know without a shadow of a doubt that they're going to get it? It's insane. Justin Herbert is 6'6", 240 pounds on a great day. You'd like to think they'd be able to get a yard. And again, this was a tough, tough defensive front. But I think it's an indictment on what Lynn thinks of the uh, offensive line that he wouldn't trust them to grind out those inches needed for Justin Herbert to then try and get that extra yard. You know, that's just my feeling. I think it's tough. Anyway, this was where Anthony Lynn probably should have gone for it again. You know, they look back at the Chiefs game. He punted in overtime. Uh, and, and he got a bad rating. Like there was a surrender index. I don't know if you guys ever heard of this, but it's a, a company or some platform that measures how, um, bad a decision is in the, in like the late game, you know, like how much probability that you just gave away to win the game by not going for it on fourth down sort of thing. And this was one of the worst decisions of the entire week. So they go to punt it and there's... A ton of time on the clock, honestly. So there's nine minutes on the clock. So Anthony Lynn thought his defense could get a stop. They hadn't got a stop the entire second half. Literally, the entire second half. But for whatever reason, he felt confident in letting his defense go to work. What ended up happening was the Buccaneers went on a 12-play, 72-yard drive that took six full minutes off the clock and ended in a touchdown. Excuse me, I'm wrong about that. Ryan Sickup hit a 26-yard field goal to make it a seven-point lead. So to force the Chargers to have to score, but the score only gets you a tie. Chargers get the ball back, throw a short pass to Justin Jackson, three yards, timeout. On the next play, Justin Herbert sailed a pass to Keenan Allen, deep right side of the field. Carlton Davis intercepts it, game over. I don't know what he was thinking. I think he tried to float it over the top because there were some secondary members in front of Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen was breaking in. I don't know if it was like a skinny post or a dig, but it, it bit him in the ass. Well, let's just be honest. This, unfortunately, well, actually, and I'll, I'll put it this way. This, I think, was the least damning interception that Justin Herbert has thrown at this point. He's thrown three interceptions. This was his third. And the difference between like the, the Panthers interception, the Chiefs interception, was that you know those actually hurt the team. Like the momentum during the game, right? Like it put them back much earlier. 
and when they were still doing well. Like the Chargers were doing well against the Chiefs. The interception was a little backbreaking. Against the Panthers, they hadn't been doing well at all, but they were kind of finding some momentum, and it was a frustrating interception. But those were closer games. This game was not close, and there was a complete meltdown of the defense that led to the Chargers and Justin Herbert being put in a position where they had to score on a game-winning drive, potentially, you know, a game-ending drive. And the moment, unfortunately, just got the better of Justin Herbert. But all I can look at is they shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. I think the drive should have been one potentially to just round the clock and ice it, you know, with potentially having to get a final stop on defense, not a complete meltdown and then force your rookie into probably the highest pressure situation he's been in aside from literally starting a game with a moment's notice against the Chiefs. Uh, the Bucks ended up running five total plays on their final drive, got the first down they needed, were able to ice it, game over. Tough look, tough game, very, very frustrating. Justin Herbert, though, Still really good. Career highs. 20-25 passing. Super efficient. 290 yards. Three touchdowns. One interception. The team sucked on the ground for a defense that allowed less than three yards per carry for opposing running backs. That's kind of what happened. 23 carries. 46 yards. Two yards per carry on the dot. I look at that and I see a team that Probably should have stopped running the ball before it got to 20 carries, 18 carries, nonetheless 23 carries, right? I think Herbert was doing well enough that you could probably put a little more on his shoulders in this one. When we were talking to Keenan Allen earlier this week, I believe it was on Monday, and someone mentioned how many yards they rushed for. They said, Keenan, you guys rushed for 46 yards. How can you do better? How can the entire offense get better off that? Keenan was so surprised where he like gasped and he said, "How we had how many rushing yards? And someone said 46 and he goes, that's tough. Just like, <laughs> he was so deflated. Could not believe how many rushing yards they had. Herbert was actually their leader with 14 yards on five carries. Austin Eckler and two carries that he had before he got hurt, 12 yards. Probably would have been a different day with Eckler. Receiving wise, Three guys caught their first NFL touchdowns on their first NFL catches. Jalen Guyton, 72 yards touchdown. Teron Johnson, or T-Billy, as his teammates call him. One for 53 and a touchdown. And tight end Donald Parham, all 6-8 of them. One catch, 19 yards, touchdown. Keenan Allen led the team with eight receptions on 12 targets for just 62 yards. He was used, you know, short, intermediate routes, barely. Uh, he had 12 targets, like I said. No other player received more than three looks. Those guys were Hunter Henry and Josh Kelly. I would have loved to see a little more Hunter Henry, mostly because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were bad at covering tight ends. So I'm a little confused on how they were able to erase Henry that badly in this one. He averaged 20 yards per catch. I mean, that's not too shabby. Defensively, they never got to... They never got to Tom Brady, not once. They hit him a few times. Good hit by Denzel Perryman one time. He got hurt himself, actually. I think he just bent his back weird, but nothing. Brady was, you know, had some pressure in his face, but the dude is unfazed. That's why he's the GOAT. Buccaneers, real quickly. The Chargers allowed Tom Brady to throw for a season-high 369 yards. He had not thrown for over 300 yards in each of the first three games of the season. He threw 369. 
He only had six touchdowns on the year to three interceptions. He threw five touchdowns in this game, almost doubled the year's worth of touchdowns in this one game. There was the pick six by Mike Davis, which was phenomenal. It was electric. It was really cool to see. I hope that starts some momentum about this defense getting turnovers at a more consistent pace. That would be huge. Receiving, Mike Evans, somehow on basically one foot, went off for seven, 122 and a touchdown. Scotty Miller, five catches, 83 and a touchdown. OJ Howard, three for 50 and a touchdown. Howard, unfortunately, went down with uh, an Achilles injury. Turns out he's out for the year. So one last big hurrah from Howard before going down. That's very unfortunate. And then Keyshawn Vaughn, the rookie running back out of Vanderbilt, two catches, 22 yards and a touchdown. Ronald Jones ran for a uh, I don't know if it's a career high, but 111 of Tampa Bay's total 115 yards on the ground. 20 carries. He broke so many tackles in this game. I mean, this was this all honestly in that second half looked like all of last year with the tackling efforts. Rayshon Jenkins, I believe, was the one, the only one to miss multiple tackles. Bad. Seriously, like he broke, I think, six tackles on one run. It was really embarrassing. This was a really good offensive line. Don't get me wrong, really good offensive line. But these were tackles that needed to be made that would have helped slow down some of these Tampa Bay drives, giving the Chargers a chance to get them off the field. It unfortunately didn't happen. Last bit of news coming out of this game was the Austin Eckler injury, unfortunately. He confirmed on a Twitch stream, because he's an avid Twitch streamer, playing uh, Fortnite, Call of Duty, and all that. He confirmed to those listening and viewing that he did have a grade two hamstring strain and he also mentioned that he thinks or was told, if he remembers correctly, that there was some tendon that came off the bone, which does not sound good. And he slightly hyperextended his knee. He's very uncomfortable just sitting still right now. Also something he said. So he he's going to be gone for a bit. He, he said he believes that four to six week window of recovery is probably where it's going to be. He's going to be put on IR this week. He should. I mean... I don't know why he's not, but that's tough. That's obviously tough. It's going to be Josh Kelly, Justin Jackson going forward. If Justin Jackson can't stay healthy, it's going to be Darius Bradwell potentially, maybe even Troy Main Pope who was with this offense last year. But I would almost rather see Darius Bradwell. I'd rather give new guys chances, right? If we're, we're that down at one position, give the younger guys a chance to see something you know, that we haven't seen before. That's tough. The Chargers, because they play on Monday night against the Saints, we usually speak with Anthony Lynn and some players today on the media press conference. That's not happening because they're putting it off a day. Everything's kind of pushed forward a day. So tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, we will talk to the uh, guys, the players, the coaches. We'll figure out an injury report and get you guys the news that way. Um, but those are my overall thoughts on the game. As It was so exciting, right? It was so exciting. Herbert makes the offense electric. Herbert made those three former undrafted players look really good. I don't see how someone like Teron Johnson is not used more against the Saints. How maybe Guyton or Parham are used a little bit against the Saints, right? I think it'd be cool. If there's one thing for certain, though, Herbert is elevating this offense. Don't get me wrong. like They're not winning, but... Herbert's not playing defense. Herbert's not making coaching decisions. Herbert's not scheming up red zone plays. If you recall this one, like they've had trouble getting in the red zone or getting the end zone while they're in the red zone within the 20. In this game, one came inside the red zone, and that was the 19. 
Herbert's been really good about scoring, getting these guys into the end zone from a distance because it's what his arm can do. So we'll see. Shane Steichen, you may have to scheme up some touchdowns in the red zone within the 10-yard line. You know, that's I think that's the next step for Shane Steichen as an offensive coordinator. He's got to. Right? You watch the Packers, the Chiefs, the Patriots, all these good teams who have been good for years, even with different coaches, right? Like the Packers, it's the second-year head coach. Like, it's still so easy for them to just scheme up something real quick. I just think maybe Shane Steichen needs to figure it out, take another step forward, and hopefully this offense will just round itself out. Anyway, guys, that's it for me today. Uh, as always, it's Michael Peterson, Chargers Lately. If you guys don't follow me on Twitter, you can at Zone Tracks. That's spelled Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. Go to Bolts from the Blue for all my written work. That is Los Angeles Chargers community over at SB Nation. I will have this week's preview podcast for Sunday's game out on Saturday. You can quote me on that. But with that, guys, I'll talk to you later this week. Have a great hump day. We'll talk later.